Welcome back to another School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined as always by Matthew Chandler. And this week, another RBM um, writer, contributor, uh, Pat Marabo. He's joined us once before. Pat, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Good, good, good. Matthew, how about you? How's, how's everything over there in, uh, uh, by you? Uh, yeah, a bit crazy. A bit, a bit kind of... It feels like Christmas was kind of flash in the pan or kind of a big dream because ever since then it's kind of been hibernating but uh i actually look because pat was on with me once when you were away do you know yes yes so but what is third time now pat yeah but pat pat had a um a hundred percent record of like games oh yeah (laughs) he'd been on before we'd won but i'm sure we'll discuss pretty soon couldn't make it a hat trick so yep well, yes, we'll we'll get into that right now because uh, that is the talk right now. Obviously, the most recent thing in the news, other than transfer news, was Everton's one uh, nil loss to West Ham. There are three changes in this side from the Sheffield United win. Um, Holgate was in for Keane. Um, Coleman uh, was in for, I guess, Holgate uh, indirectly. Um, because Holgate moved to the middle and Coleman stuck it right back. And then Bernard in for Iwobi. Um, Richarlison, was this Richarlison's first game back too? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, so, yeah. No, no, you're good, you're good. Um, Richarlison came in for Gordon, didn't he? Sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, Richarlison came, came in for Gordon. Uh, obviously, the Suchek 86th minute deflected goal is the only one, the decider in this one. The four-game winning run ends. Um, Pat, we'll start with you. You know, what were your overall thoughts of the game? Were we too tired? You know, was it too defensive a game plan? What would what, you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think from the start when Fabianski got injured during warmups and Darren Randolph came in, who I believe hadn't recorded a clean sheet in over two years or hasn't even played in two years, something like that. Um, you know, I, I think typical Everton, uh, people got flashbacks of, previous occurrences um but yeah i think we just looked very off um you know i don't know if the the squad stayed up too late the night before or what it was but yeah just from the start it didn't seem like we were going to get a result I, I was predicting a zero zero draw and then you know we get the typical deflected goal in the 86th minute but yeah we just we just looked pretty off the other day matthew how about you i think we talked about the uh Manchester United game maybe being a game too far, but I think this is probably the same thing where it just looked like we ran out of steam and, and it maybe you could could say maybe it's slightly defense not defensive but just you know not maybe the right sort of lineup for attacking West Ham. But I think you have to give a lot of credit maybe to West Ham as well because they won that game in in the way that we we saw. David Moyes win a lot of games at Everton. Kind of grind it, grind out a really gnarly, horrible win. It's a dreadful game. Um, so I don't think. Again, it's not like I've said this before, but like last season, even under Ancelotti, we lost games where it just looked like we weren't even trying, or it was very half-assed, like a Wolves or Chelsea or Anfield. I don't think that was the case here. Again, I just think Everton were kind of dead on their feet and you know so many so many people out at the moment as well that it's you know Angelotti hasn't got a lot to pick from it's had to play the same players pretty much every game 
and then this was just a step too far. Yeah. Uh, um, no, sorry, yeah, go on. No, yeah, I was just going to say it's pretty ironic that the two longest uh, or our two winning streaks, I guess you could say, this year were at our most busy period. Um, obviously, at the beginning of the season when we were on that, that seven-game win streak in all competitions, uh, and then when things started to slow down, it seemed to be when we faced some troubles. And then, of course, now we get a break for five days after the Man City game is postponed and, uh, and somehow still um, aren't, aren't ready to play despite West Ham not having um, as much rest. But um, definitely look tired. Definitely one, not a good performance overall. Um, a lot of – I mean, there was no creativity at all. It kind of reminded me of, of times back when we were um, – you know, back last year or under Silva, um, where it just was a lot of sideways passing, a lot of, um, you know, working it down the, the wings and then hoping across found somebody's head. And it, it was a lot of hopefulness. And, and, and obviously once Hamas came on, you saw a little bit more of a creative passing and, and a little bit more of a attack, but obviously, uh, you know, Suchek's 86th minute goal was the, was, was the decider, um, that unfortunately, uh, was was Everton's Everton's uh, undoing? Um, obviously, would have. I think we will all agree that if it was a tie, we would have been happy with that. A, a scoreless draw would, would have been would have been enough. Given how the given how the game went, yeah, I think yeah. before before the game, probably not because yeah, think West Ham's pretty winnable game. Um, but I don't. Everton didn't do enough to win the game. Um, yeah. I didn't think. I don't think they were outplayed by West Ham. I just thought. You know, it's one of those games where it's kind of like the longer it goes on, the more you can just sense Everton, you know, getting away from them and not even getting a point. And that's how it, it worked yeah. out. But it's not, yeah. it wasn't a game that made me particularly irate or anything like that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Ancelotti did say pre-match that Dean and Allen are back in individual training. Obviously, neither of them played in this match. Um, it, we've kind of survived without them the last few games and, and during this winning streak. But would you say, Matthew, that we miss them, miss them badly here in this one? I think so. I think um, Allen just provides a lot of beef to that midfield, which I don't think you know, Tom Davies has, has done okay. Um, Gilbert Sigurdsson said that's not that's not really his his role, but he's done all right. But we just looked a bit lightweight in midfield. Um, I thought that Suchek was probably West Ham's best player actually in the middle and um, kind of ran the game really. Um, so Alan was, is a big miss, and also Dean because, like, like you know, we've, we've said how well Ben Godfrey's done, but um, I think you see in games like this how isolated Dominic Calvert Lewin can be without a supply line from Dean, which is so kind of impeccable to, uh, game after game. Godfrey does try and get forward, I think, but it, 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 we don't expect him to match Dean's kind of delivery or abilities, so it's not, it's not a slight on him. It's just not it's not a like for like replacement in that regard. And I think um I I personally would have maybe not started maybe Niels and Kunku, but maybe looked to bring him on just just to try something different. I think we were kind of stifled by West Ham in the way in the way they set up and in the, maybe in the way we set up as well. Um and I think without that extra supply from from the flanks, uh we looked a bit too one dimensional and I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin I kind of have a lot of sympathy for because he's got no competition and he has missed Charleston for some of this period and, and James Rodriguez for a lot of this period and, and obviously Dean for all of it and they're three kind of main sources of, of creativity in this team which yeah. which he's been without. 
Yeah, and, and Dean specifically because of uh, I think I think a majority of the the goals that Calvert Lewin has this year have been assisted um, from him on that left side. So definitely um, missing him. Uh, Pat, how about you? What would you think about um, I guess the middle and and left side of the pitch and and how much we missed Dean and, and Allen in this one? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, having Allen out, like Matthew touched on earlier, how it was a, you know, scrappy, gritty uh, performance. Uh, you know, I, I think we need those scrappy, gritty players in the midfield, which we were just lacking, uh, which really hurt us. And, you know, again, Godfrey has been playing great, but he doesn't offer that same attacking presence that Digne does. So having him miss out, you know, again, was was tough. I, I feel like in Cuckoo, this would have been a good match for him to kind of get thrown in there. You know, we've seen him play against kind of lower sides uh, previously this season. So I feel like this was a great spot for him. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't see a workout, but I was just looking ahead at the schedule and, you know, it's going to get more and more congested. And I feel like, you know, once Digne comes back, I believe that, you know, Carlo will definitely look to get in Cuckoo more involved, which would be great because, you know, Calvert-Lewin just has him getting the same amount of attacking, uh, you know, kind of presence and, uh, the same kind of chances that he's been getting previously. And, you know, I, I think I saw Sigurdsson had maybe one or two forward passes in, you know, West Ham's end. And again, just, you know, like you said, I, I definitely feel for Calvert-Lewin. He's just not getting, um, you know, any help up there. So it's it's probably been a hard period for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he's, um, you know, I think a, a big thing is that he's relied a lot to score the goals because um, Richarlison has not been not been playing well. Um, you know, Pat, we'll go back to you. What are your thoughts on Richarlison's performance recently? And and obviously he's been dealing with, you know, the wrist injury. He had the red card, a little bit more sporadic play, um, obviously the concussion as well. So um, some things that are kind of breaking up his play haven't really hasn't really been able to get going since the beginning of that season. But what or since the beginning of the season, but what um, what have you thought of his play? Yeah, it's it's just been you know pretty poor as of late. I saw a Twitter conspiracy theory that said that uh, he's asked for a move and that he you know didn't get the move, so he's been playing pretty you know downtrodden as of late. Well, he um, did. Um, there were the reports, of course, um, at the beginning of the season that he was going to give it one more season under Carlo, and if they could change things, then he would he would stay, um, which obviously, you know, maybe like you said, Pat, maybe he's thinking a little bit too much about that move. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely seems like it. He's just been really frustrating to watch recently. Just the amount of times he just gets caught up, just dribbles one too many times, doesn't get the pass out, the easy pass out. It just, it, it's been frustrating to watch. I mean, he's definitely, you know, trying, but you know, it, it just doesn't seem like he's there right now. Matthew, how about you? Yeah, I found him really frustrating on Friday uh, Friday because it just felt like another game where he hasn't hasn't imposed himself on the game. Um, you know, I, I feel with Charleston that like I can see he's obviously a really talented footballer, but I just think he has still a lot to learn about you know, making his mark on games, not just disappearing out of games. And also maybe, you know, showing a bit more maturity in games sometimes as well. I feel like, you know, he's cost us at times with his, his red card. He got in the derby and 
the other red card he got. I know it's just first season two years ago at Bournemouth, but you know it was a very kind of innocuous incident which felt really avoidable. And, and you know he is such an important player to us, but I just he has a long way to go. And I think this this kind of run. I mean, the, he's, the problem he's got is again like. He's going to have to play his way out of form because you don't really have anyone else. You can, he's not going to pick Gordon consistently ahead of Richarlison, is he? He's not going to pick Bernard, especially on this year, ahead of Richarlison. So, um, I think he's going to have to play his way out, play his way back into form. And you know, I he has had runs like this before, hasn't he? With Everton, where he's looked a bit moody, disinterested, and then suddenly burst back into life. So I don't, yeah. I'm not massively worried about him, but at the same time, I just. I do, well, I do. I do feel as well, though. Like, if you know, I'm not. I'm not saying sell him. I'm. I want Evans to sell him. But if you say like our three most valuable players are probably Luca Dean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and Charleston. Yeah. Charleston is probably the, the the one I'd be least upset about leaving. Yep. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah I think I agree. Yeah. Um, I I think, I mean, just watching him recently. It's been – it feels like it's a lot of dribbling into traffic or dribbling into yeah. players and, and, yep. and trying to force something that isn't there, which is something that we love about him. But as opposed to finding that open space, it's kind of been, you know, instead of trying to, you know, cut to the outside or cut to the inside and find an open space, it's kind of just been dribbling right through players or trying to, you know, even though there's an easy pass, trying to dribble out of two or three defenders that are on top of him. Um, which I can understand. Obviously, I'm sure he's frustrated. He hasn't been, you know, never mind playing well. He hasn't really taken that many shots this year either. Um, so hasn't seen too many open looks at goal. Um, so obviously, I'm sure that's, especially for someone like him who's used to scoring all the time, I'm sure that's playing into his frustrations a little bit as well. Um, but I think there's still there's still a massive problem with, like, selfishness as well with Charles in the game. Yeah, yeah, like, no, he, he will, I like to He will keep the ball top. There was a... There's a moment I remember against Chelsea, it might have been once or twice, where he, well, the first one, he, it was a very tame shot, which uh, Mendy saved pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. second was one where he shot in the second half when he should have squared it to whoever Sigurdsson. Um, yeah. yeah, but you, you know... like He always goes... And then the thing with the penalty in that game as well, I just think was... Yeah, I mean, really I mean in the end, if he scores, if he's scoring yeah. goals, you know, you're yeah. not... You're not looking at that, which um, obviously I understand why that's something that stands out too. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think it probably could be said that he's probably missing, you know, that attacking option, Dean, on that left side as well. You know, they have such a good yeah. relationship that, um, you know, I'm sure he's probably missing that production that he's getting. Because, like you said, let's be honest, Ben Godfrey isn't getting the same attention that Dean would going forward because they know Ben Godfrey is not that type of player. So you can commit a couple guys to, you know, a Richarlison uh, in defense um, to kind of throw him off. So hopefully he gets back into form, um, gets a couple goals, and, and gets him going again because we really do need him to play well. Uh, we can't just have be, be, be kind of relying on the off chance of anyone in the midfield or Bernard scoring and, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin hopefully getting serviced because um, clearly in this game, uh, that that showed. And speaking of Dominic Carvalhoon, he was subbed off for Tosun with 10 minutes left. Uh, that was about six minutes before the goal was scored. Um, yeah. Obviously wouldn't blame the goal on Tosun, but um, 
what were your guys' thoughts on the substitution and, you know, needing a goal and throwing Tosun on there? Um, I, I got why you took him off in a way, because Cavalier has barely had a break. Um, I, you know, obviously the thing you would say is, do, do you take off your most potent player when you're, you know, I know we weren't losing at that point, but we still, you know, it's a game we should be trying to win and do you take him off for 10 minutes left? I think more the problem is more who you bring on than taking off Calvert-Lewin. I think if you had maybe Moise Keane on the bench. I know Moise Keane was not prolific at all last year, but I think people would be less um, perplexed by that. So if you take Calvert-Lewin off for Keane. Uh, yeah, probably, and, and probably but, having Hamas serving him the ball as opposed to some yeah. of the other creative guys we had last yeah. year. So. I think the problem is that top, James Carlson is pretty much done at Everton, isn't he? So I yeah. don't see... What what, and also the fact that it's such a like for like so really just one strike for another doesn't change the dynamic again. I think maybe had I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but like if you if you if you swap and Godfrey for Inku and Q or something like that, gives West Ham potentially something else to think about, um, another problem yeah. to solve, another maybe channel which Everton can can exploit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I feel like I said I feel sorry for Calvert Lewin because he's gone six games without a goal and he hasn't really played badly in any of those games. And you see in, in, in some of these games how deep he's having to drop just to receive the ball and, and, and get involved in the play. You know, um, he's just not getting the supply that he was, you know, even up to like, you know, last month. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it's no, it feels like no coincidence to me that he's, he's, the last, you know, the last time he scored a brace was that Fulham game where he had Dean uh, putting in great ball after great ball. He had Bichalison and Rodriguez behind him. I mean, Alex will be playing, you know, putting in one of his best games. You know, Calvert-Lewin is a much improved finisher, but he needs, still needs help from other players around him. And that's not a criticism of him. That's just, you know, every... He's every, just not the type of player. No, yeah. Most, pretty much every striker needs help from his teammates, right? Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, I even you look at, you look at when Lukaku was here, right? Yeah. He could take the ball from, you know, the half line and create, you know, you remember that that, that Chelsea goal is one yeah. that stands out where he creates the shot for himself there and, and bullies his way through there. Calvert-Lewin, and not by any fault of his own, he's just a different type of striker. And he's not the striker that I, I don't think is going to take that yeah. all the way down from, you know, you know, just outside the final third and, and take it into the box and, and create a chance for himself. But um, I don't think so. Um but he does, like I said, I feel for him because you're not it's hard to justify resting him when your only kind of discernible competition is Cheng Tosin. Yeah. But at the same time, you need to you need to give him a break at some point. So how do you weigh that up? Probably not when you're chasing a game with ten minutes left in hindsight. But Dan, yeah. how about you? What do you, what do you think? I mean, I, I guess the only good thing about the Cheng Tosin situation is that we're not seeing that much of him at all. You know, I, I think Carlo's really playing with scraps at this point. And, you know, obviously Tosin getting brought on, you might as well not even bring him on, just take Calvert-Lewin off because he offers next to nothing. I mean, rightfully so. He hasn't gotten any game time. He's lacking loads of confidence right now. So I don't really think anyone was really expecting him to score, you know, a 90th minute winner by any means. You know, I think it just more speaks on the fact that Calvert-Lewin has really had no rest whatsoever. And, I guess Cenk Tosin is our best option off the bench. Um, I mean, there's been rumors of him linked to anywhere from Turkey to West Brom the past few weeks. So uh, 
you know, I, I could definitely see that being one of the January moves that Ancelotti makes. Yeah, it'll be interesting because if he does make that move, they're going to have to go out and get a striker. I mean, obviously right now, I guess it's not a necessity, but if he does make that move, they're going to have to go out and get somebody. And we'll get into transfer business in a little bit because um, we do need to talk about some of the rumors circulating. Uh, Final thing. Well, actually, let's get into that right now. Um, Did this game kind of create, uh, you know, a heightened sense of need for, for recruitment in January or was this kind of a flash in the pan? Like you'll, you know, next game, we hope to get back on it and, and, and get back to, to, to the form we were playing with. No, because I think um, even when we won those four games, I think in a row, I think, you know, people who are watching from Everton were not so blind as to think that was all Everton's problems solved. I think you can still yeah. see that there are, deficiencies in the, in the squad there are holes in the squad need addressing and um, I've, I've written about this for the site today I just feel like this is I, I hate the January window because I just think it's it's such an impossible market to do good business in yeah. Um, yeah. because you basically got the selling club knowing that the buying club is so desperate and they can therefore just put however much of a premium they want on the players Um I just feel like this is a. This is, I, I applaud Everton for not doing January business in the last two years because we've had nothing really to play for. Mm-hmm. I feel like this year is a year where it's worth taking a chance on someone in January just because, because of how kind of COVID has just completely moved the goalposts. Does, it does feel like they won't get many better opportunities in this season to do something special. Um, and it would be, you know, it would be such a shame if this fantastic start of the season we've had is undermined by kind of a, a tailing off in the second half. Um, so maybe in that sense, I'm not thankful for this game, but maybe, you know, one positive you could take is it'll be a wake-up call and a, and a reminder that we are still short in, on quality in, in reserve in certain parts of the pitch. And um, January is, you know, the last opportunity we'll get a chance really to address that this season. So um, I, th- I think... You know, maybe this defeat is not the worst thing long term because if it's if it spurs you know Marcel Brands and Ancelotti into action, um, then maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, it's better to have it now than the end of January. You know, because um, at least it will. You know, I, I think losses in particular. You know, as much as defeat defeat sucks um i think the losses kind of um especially in the midst of a winning streak um kind of show you what's wrong with the team and that there's still issues and you can learn a lot from that and i think that this loss just showed us that you know despite the fact that the sigurdsons uh, the awobis the you know even though Awobi didn't play even bernard at some points were playing better um they're not the options. They're not the people that can like, we need other options to, to be in these positions and obviously dealing with injuries, but there's, um, you know, there's a need for players, um, to come in. Uh, Pat, how about you? What, what do you, what do you think about the, uh, the need for January recruitment? Yeah. I mean, I think what you guys said, the loss was a great wake up call. I mean, with, you know, all the match congestion coming up later in the season and with it, you know, with the window just starting, I think, you know, it couldn't have come at a better time. 
Um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, like Matthew touched on, we haven't done much, you know, January business in the past, but, you know, I, I think one of the main reasons why I wasn't too upset about the loss is because we still are only four points off the top. You know, I think people have to understand that, you know, like we're going to lose matches. We're going to lose those scrappy one nil matches, which like you said, sucks, but you know, it, it couldn't have come at a better time. Um, and I believe in the situation we're in now, you know, I would definitely like to see at least one, if not two signings made, I, I don't think we're going to get a better opportunity, you know, to kind of push up the table, uh, than we are at right now. And I think, you know, it, it definitely be beneficial to see Everton make, make a few moves this window. Where would you, sorry, Pat, where would you, cause we talked about this last week with Calvin, yeah. but where, where would you target them? Like primarily anyway? I mean, I, I'd say definitely a striker, you know, um, I, yeah. I kind of wish we had held on to Keane at this point. Again, like you said, hindsight is great. You know, bringing on Cenk Tosin when we're down 1-0 isn't always the best option. Um, but, yeah, I, I think striker would be beneficial. I know we've been linked to, I believe, Milik, Milic from Napoli. He's he's a pretty prolific scorer, so I don't know how he's exactly going to fit in with Calvert-Lewin doing so well. But uh, I, I think that we definitely need to bring in, you know, some more striker reinforcements for Calvert-Lewin when – he eventually does get tired if he's not already tired. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we like, like Matthew said, we talked about it last week. Um, you know, striker is definitely an option, uh, a position that I think needs help, especially like we mentioned, if Chang Tosun is on his way out this January as well. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully they can, um, you know, find a striker in this January window. That's as Matthew said last week, you know, a um a premier league proven player um that can you know at least you know or or looks premier league quality that can that can give Calvert loon some rest um just you know a, a, another spot probably is the midfield as we talked about last week just some stats from F- pete's five telling stats that um stood out obviously sigurdsson didn't make a single pass in the direction or complete a single pass in the direction of the West Ham penalty box. Um, as, as I believe you mentioned, Pat, you know, that's, that's not normally a good thing when you're, you're the, uh, the supposed to be the creative midfielder on the pitch. Um, you know, Everton made one pass into the six yard box um, all game. Um, you know, they didn't really have many chances to score their, their, their expected goals, I think was 0.37 um, against the goalkeeper who, again, as you mentioned, Pat was, you know, not, even expected to play that day. So, um, you know, definitely a call for stuff in the midfield and, and we'll get to that in a little bit because there is, you know, regarding Sigurdsson and some possible incoming midfielders. Um, there is some conversation happening. Uh, so we'll get to that in a second, but before we get to that, we got to take a quick break. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back now. And, um, we're going to talk a little transfer news um, or, or at least a little business, Everton business. Uh, we'll start off with maybe not a transfer, but someone who is reportedly going to be offered a new contract. We just talked about him and his inability to create as the creative midfielder. Um, but uh, it looks like Sigurdsson could possibly be up for an extension on his current contract. Uh, Pat, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think about this? Uh, my first thought was that uh, Sigurdsson might have some revealing pictures of Ancelotti or something of the sorts. Um, I, I, I don't understand, you know, why this is even being, you know, mentioned, uh, it, 
it, it just seems very odd. I, I know that, you know, we've kind of heard in past interviews of, you know, Sigurdsson's relationship with Ancelotti and how he's, he's been great and, you know, supportive and whatnot. And, but at the same time, I mean, you know, he's what, 31, I believe, probably turning 32 soon. Um, it, I, I guess touching back on what we need in the window, I don't know if it's this window or next, but, you know, with Hamas being played on the wing and, you know, guilty being our kind of main, main creative midfielder approach, creative in air quotes. Um, you know, I, I think that this isn't the best step for the club, but I know people are saying, Oh, you know, you got to trust Ancelotti, trust Ancelotti. But at the same time, you know, as fans, you know, we're able to have our opinions and, I think my opinion is that it's not, you know, the greatest news I wanted to hear, but I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it's um, it's it's probably good timing on from Sigurdsson's part because obviously he's had up until maybe the Sheffield United game a better better run of run of form for Everton than he has for maybe the last two years or so. Um, we've obviously discussed Sigurdsson a lot. Like I'm, I'm never really been a fan of him I think I thought when we signed him I thought it was an odd decision um, and I think he's done alright for a couple of games you know lately um, but you know he's still got another 18 months on his contract so you're, you're you're banking on him keeping that run of form up for 18 months which on the basis on the basis of the West Ham game he couldn't even do for one more game Yeah, and then you add another year onto that you know, by which time he will be what, 33. He's 32 in September, so yeah, 33, nearly 34 by June 2023. Um, yeah, this is not something that I would entertain. The only thing I could possibly think is maybe it gives Everton more time to get some money back for him if they sell him, because they, they obviously spent so much money on him in, in the first place. Yeah. It would be a bit jarring for the club if they get zero back for him. Um, but I think it's you know, I think Sigurdsson is one of the signings which reflects how how poorly we operated in the transfer window under Steve Walsh um, and Ronald Cooper for the most part. So, yeah, I'd be surprised. I just, yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I wouldn't get it if it happened. And it feels weird because I know Ancelotti has kind of talked up Sigurdsson at times, but he's he also there were also quite a few reports that he was one of the players he was happy to get rid of. After the, um, the FA Cup defeat to Liverpool last year, I think it was like a big list of players. That one newspaper reported, uh, you know, Ancelotti was happy to to let, let go of, and Sigurdsson was one of them. I think in the summer again, you know, usual suspect. Sigurdsson was in that. So, I mean, it's some turnaround considering he's had what, a handful of good games this season. He has, he's been better than last year by and large, but that's obviously a really low bar. Um, yeah, no, I would not. I don't see the value in keeping Gilfie Sigurdsson for another year after 2022, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk now about getting the deadwood out of the club and kind of moving that deadwood on and how we're in that situation now. I feel like that's kind of delaying another issue and, and maybe Sigurdsson's putting together some some good performances now, but I mean, another year past 2022. I mean, that's that's three more years with um, the club that he would be he would be sticking around. And you know, again, he's put on good performances, but I, I don't, I can't see it. 
you know, <laughs> can't see it, see it lasting another three years um, and making it worth it. So, and it's certainly an interesting thing to come out. Um, but like you said, um, like you guys said, you know, good business by Sigurdsson doing it now after a couple good performances, uh, no better time for him. Um, another midfielder who is not with the club right now, who it looks like the club has offered a contract, um, Sammy Kadira. Obviously, he, um, I believe he's at Juventus right now um, and um, has had time or has played for Ancelotti. Um, I mean, obviously, yes, obviously up there in age. Uh, Matthew, we'll start with you. What's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is another one which I don't think is a great move. It would be a great move for Everton just because. I get like Gareth Barry was good at a similar age in a similar position. I get that, you know, Ancelotti has signed players already that he's worked with before, like Alan and Rodriguez, who I think we both say paid off so far. But Kadira's played, what, 35 games in two years? He's really injury is really injury prone. He's, he will be on extortionate wages, I'd imagine. Um, I, I think they said I, he would take a pay cut. If he he might take a pay. He might take a pay cut, but is it still? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Again, I yeah, 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 yeah. Agreeing to a large reduction on his astronomical wages is the line, but is that still going to be kind of? Does that will that still correlate to his like on pitch value? You know, you still get your money's worth out of what he. I think you know. He's, I would imagine he would be an upgrade on Tom Davies or Sigurdsson or Gomez as that third midfielder. I think that's safe to assume. But anyway, I haven't watched a lot, a lot of him, but you know, people say he's pretty one-paced, and we I think we already have enough of those midfielders. Um, yeah, I just I don't think we would win that West Ham game with Kadir in, in midfield instead of Tom Davies or Sigurdsson. And I also think like we have. It's okay to have like some of these players who maybe like are taking a step down to join Everton, like Rodriguez or Dean, or to a lesser extent Allen from you know the clubs that they came from. But I think Everton have got enough of them now. I think if you have too many, then it just becomes an old, tired squad. You know who you're paying too much money for too little return from. I would like to see Everton, you know, sign players. We said this last week, I think, but I'd like to see Everton sign more players. In like the sort of Ben Godfrey mold of kind of younger, hungrier, up and coming players who, um, you know, maybe won't stay at forever, but it makes sense for them to join Everton as like the next step in their career at least, um, and you know, provide more energy than Kadira would anyway. So, yeah, I can understand why Ancelotti might want him, mm-hmm. but I just think, you know, there are better options out there. I would, I would suggest. Pat, how about you? What are your opinions? Yeah, I, I think that we definitely need some kind of, you know, breath of fresh life, not necessarily in the form of, you know, a 33-year-old midfielder who I don't think has played a game this season. If not in the league, I'm not too sure about other uh, cup games or anything. But, I mean, it looks like he's turning 34 in April, which, yeah. again, isn't that great. Um, <laughs> I mean – I, I think it really falls on the fact that, you know, Allen has had a few injury issues and I, I, I don't think anyone knows where Gabman is right now. Um, I'm not too sure if we even have a date yet for his return. 
Um, it was supposed to be this month, but okay, you never know, do you? Because it's goodbye. So. Yeah, it's it. I it, it's probably changed, you know, six times yeah. this season. But I, I I think with those things considered, you know, he obviously has worked with Ancelotti in the past. I don't mind it. You know, again, you look back at the Gareth Barry situation where, you know, he was, he was great, obviously, but, you know, I, I, I guess they say lightning doesn't strike twice. Um, I mean, if, if this does happen, I guess we have to go with the trust Ancelotti approach. It doesn't look great on paper, but, you know, I think it's more of a wait and see situation. Um, I mean, for all we know, he'll end up signing for Manchester United or something. So <laughs> we'll just have to see, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not super against it. You know, he obviously has a great, you know, great record and, you know, great, you know, kind of play over his years. But with the age, it's a bit of a concern. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. This difference with yeah. Gareth Barry is that he already knew. He already knew the Premier League, which I think people can maybe overstate the time. That's true. Yeah, I think that's, that's very true. He didn't need to acclimatize or adapt. And also, yeah. Gareth Barry played pretty regularly for Man City for the last few years before then. And... Played pretty much every game for Aston Villa before that, so yeah. was a pretty regular Premier League player. Kadira has not played at all. I don't think for the Juventus this season, and barely played the last few years. I mean, yeah. the standout memory I have could I have of Kadira, and maybe this is slightly lazy on my part of saying this, but standout memory I have is him being like a a star player in the 2010 World Cup, which was mm. ten and a half years ago. Yeah. Now. So. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I know no. he's. I know he's had. I know he's obviously. He must have played well since then because he's played for Real Madrid and Juventus. And, yeah. And um, I'm sure he would be an upgrade on what we've got. It's just, is he is Look, it worth it for me? Probably not. No. I mean, definitely. I mean, definitely. The the one thing is he he is not, um, what you would call fast in any sense. Um, he he's not quick. I think he's pretty slow. So that's definitely something. Obviously, um you would have to deal with in that midfield. But, you know, I think probably he makes up for it with his, his IQ and, and just being in the right spots would be my guess. Um, Cause obviously I haven't seen too much of him. Uh, the only thing that I would say is, um, you know, obviously you wait on the wages cause that'll be the determining factor. I think on whether this is a good signing or not. Um, but also, you know, the only real, um, you know, the one pro that you would see is just, you know, Carlo bringing in another guy to build what you know everybody so affectionately calls culture in the club. Um, obviously, someone who knows what Carlo expects um, and and can can teach the younger guys about that. But um, like you guys said, on paper it doesn't look great. Um, but again, we won't know. You know, <laughs> Hamas got better and better we, even from what we originally thought it was. So. You know, maybe maybe Marcel Brands does some some shrewd business here and and finds a way to get those wages down enough where it looks like a deal uh, that's worth it. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, that's it for Everton news. Not really much else going around. We talked a little bit about Chang Tosun possibly on the way out, um, but nothing else really concrete other than that. Uh, but we'll keep you guys updated as more and more comes, and 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 we'll make sure to talk more and more about it on the podcast throughout January. Uh, We're going to take another quick break, but after that, we'll talk about Everton's FA Cup matchup with Rotherham. All right, back with uh, kind of the final segment we have here for this podcast, Everton's FA Cup match um, a week from yesterday because we're recording on Sunday. Um, It's Saturday, January 9th, 12 p.m. over in England. Um, 
I think it's 5 p.m. over here in. Oh, sorry. I have about time. Oh, 7 a.m. 7 a.m. I say. So, yeah. 7 a.m. It should be. Sorry. 7 a.m. Yeah. So, 7 a.m. on the East Coast. I even screwed that up and I live here. So, and I literally just saw that yesterday. So, you would think, oh, no. Um, FA Cup third round. They're going to be taking on uh, Rotherham, who is second bottom in the championship at the time of recording. They are promoted from League One last year. Um, there's an eight-day uh, eight break, yes, um, between games. More time to rest, obviously, but after that, the Premier League starts to pick up again. You get Wolves um, away, and then three days later, uh, or three days later, excuse me, you get Wolves away. Um, I guess the first question is, and Pat, we'll start with you, is there an expectation that we will rest players such as, you know, Calvert-Lewin, Decore, who have played basically every game? You, you think this is a game we can rest players and, and still pull out a result? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this would, again, touching on Nkuku before, I think this would be a great, a great match for him to play in. Uh, I think someone like Anthony Gordon should get a look in. Um, I could see, you know, Olsen uh, stepping in for Pickford. Um, again, the loss to Manchester United in the cup was obviously terrible. You know, I, I think that again, we have several matches right after this cup match this weekend, but I think this should be the priority. Um, I would expect to see the likes of Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin uh, leading the attack, whether Bernard or Gordon slots in there is yet to be seen, but um, I, I could definitely see us, you know, putting in the likes of, like I said, Gordon and Cuckoo and uh, possibly Olsen as well. Yeah, I think the, I think the, um, would be a sensible one because I think not so much resting Godfrey, but I just think it's a game that probably suits playing a more attacking fullback like Nkuku. Um Maybe the same with John Joe Kenny at right back. I know he seems to be you know, so far out of favour in the Premier League, but I think um, you know it makes sense to play him in this game. Probably give Seamus Coleman more time to get back up to speed as well because I don't think he's looked really at it since he's come back um, yeah. I would maybe rest Decore because you probably get away with maybe more soft touch in mid, softer midfield because we're playing a team you know pretty pretty inferior to us but I'm not sure about Calvert-Lewin just because you know whether or not it's his fault and it's certainly not because he still played well I wouldn't want like that that goal drought to play on his mind. Maybe mm-hmm. a game against Rotherham is a good chance for him just to to get back back among the goals. Um, maybe just restore a bit of self confidence. Maybe if he's if he's lost a bit in this uh, goalless run, and like I said, he shouldn't have really because he still played pretty much just as well as he had done before then. But am I doing good just to get a, a goal or two again? Um, I'd like to see Gordon, but just because I think who else have we got? I, I mean, Ancelotti said last week he thought Rodriguez would be fit for the Rotherham game. He didn't look fit on Friday, but I don't think Rotherham is the kind of game where I'd throw Rodriguez in. Really, I think again, you know, maybe maybe save him for harder harder tests like Wolves and Aston Villa the week after. Um, yeah. I would definitely go with Olsen and goal again. I just think he he deserves a chance. Um, again, he has talk of a signing permanently this week, which I'm, I would be on board with based on what I've seen so far. Yep. Um, apart from that, I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't. 
wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say like I play people like Brantley in defence or um, I know Beningami is kind of out of the picture, but you know that that far down, I think you don't want to you don't want to take that many risks because ultimately this is a really important game because you want to win a cup after 26 years of not winning anything, don't we? So um, yeah, I, I think it's fine to make some changes. Just yeah, just an err on the side of caution. Yeah, I think even just you know. Uh, try and may- maybe don't make as many changes for the, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play Hamas just because like you said, I, it would save him, give him more rest, save him for that Wolves game. Um, I would probably put, because Godfrey hasn't gotten a rest in a while. So I probably would put um, Nkunku on the left-hand side um, and maybe even John Joe Kenny, like you said, but um, for the most part, maybe just, uh, I would think maybe just keep start out with a, a pretty strong side and then kind of try and put the game away by halftime and then kind of make your subs and give some people some rest. Um, you know, I think that's probably the best move. Um, because again, like you said, you know, this is a game where Calvert-Lewin can add a couple goals to his, his sheet and, um, and, and, and could, you know, if he is losing any confidence, gain that confidence back. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll see what he does. We'll see what Ancelotti does. I mean, um, you know, I think, you know, no matter who we trot out there, it should be a game we should expect to win by a couple goals, I think. But I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Matthew, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm as confident as you can be that we'll win. I just think um, this is, you know, if you don't underestimate how important a game is just because you're playing an inferior team. Um Ultimately, like I said, I think a lot of people would still take a cup run over like a strong league, high league position. Um, sorry, I mean, we're we'll taking winning a cup over finishing high in the league. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I want us to, I want us to feel the strong team. I just think, I want us to, I want to, I also do want to see some, some other players. Not, be, not because I want to sort of rest or you know, feel the weaker team. Just because I think they. They deserve a chance to prove themselves. Um, so people like Nkunku or, or Gordon would be would be the main two. Uh, and like I said, I would I would stick with Cavalier and probably stick with Richardson as well. Just um, would again, you like put and play him back into form? And Richardson shouldn't be that tired because he had three games off. I know he played for Brazil, yeah. but he had those three games out and he's not played. And he had obviously missed the last game with concussion. So yeah, sorry. Go on. Would you put Ellis Sims on the bench for this one? Well, I assume should be on the bench anyway. To be honest, like we, should, yeah. we have two goalkeepers on the bench, you don't need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Alice Sims maybe. Although I'm not sure, um, Alice Sims is ready. To be honest, but uh, that's the thing, isn't it? It just makes you more. Give makes you gives you more positive feeling, I guess, if you see someone like Sims on the bench than than Thompson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even just with the pure factor of of, you know uncertainty which can be a good and bad thing you're just not sure what you're going to expect whereas to assume i mean at this point you know um pat how about you what are your opinions on this game and, and how you know i guess you expect it to play out well i want to start by saying i i, I love the ellison show i think that you know even just a player like that you know being on the bench probably you know works wonders for his confidence um you know with only being what is he 18 19 um, I, I think that'd be a great opportunity for him, whether he gets subbed on late. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just looking at, 
Rotherham's form. They think they have two wins in their last 10. I think you mentioned they're pretty low on the table right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going with, you know, 3-1 win for Everton, I believe. Uh, I, I think, like Matthew was saying, I could see the likes of Richarlison being included. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to toy with the, with the back four too much. I think, you know, we could see John Joe Kenny getting slotted in there, give some rest for Coleman. But, yeah, I, I think this is an important game. And uh, I, I think we're going to win by by a few goals for sure. Matthew, yeah, I think I think two 0 maybe. I think I think if we were, um, we seem to have tightened up a bit the back, don't we? So I think, um, albeit it might, might play different players this game, but I think I would expect us to keep a clean sheet against Rotherham. Um, and then you know we're maybe not as free scoring as we were at the start, but I think that's maybe just because of the the impact of the schedule and. You know that the, the fixture has taken its toll uh, on sort of energy and fitness. So um, I don't think we'll battle him. I think it'll be a pretty comfortable, controlled two-nil win. That's yeah, that's 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 fair. Um, I'm going to go on a little more extreme. Say we're going to beat them like three, four, one, something like that. Um, you know, I think that you know, I think I think there's a good chance for us to kind of build some of that confidence back. I mean, we were putting four or five goals in against the you know lower competition with a similar lineup in you know even even that West Ham game in the League Cup we put four goals in with Nkunku on the left um Keane scored a goal in that game I think before he got he got transferred over so I, I think a game I think we all expect it to be a game we should win comfortably um just kind of unsure what the lineup's going to be um but that's it that's all we got um, for this episode of School of Science Radio. Uh, Pat, thank you for joining us this week. We appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Matthew, thank you as always for, uh, for coming on and talking with us. And um, to you guys out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for following us. Um, make sure you just continue to follow, subscribe, download, whatever you got to do to get your, your episodes. Um, you know, we love the support you guys have shown and we appreciate it. And and we just hope you guys keep doing it. Um, Other than that, go Everton and we'll be back next week. 